Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Ladies and gentlemen, today's episode is with Alan Meisner. He is author of The Wellness Roadmap. Alan is a certified personal trainer. He is also a certified functional aging specialist, and he's the creator of the 40 Plus Fitness Community, which provides one-on-one and group fitness coaching, nutritional guidance, and personal training for clients over the age of 40. He's also a host of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, where he's interviewed hundreds of health and wellness experts. And, and, you know, this episode is really for people who are finding it harder and harder to stay fit as they get older, harder to lose weight, harder to live the lives they want to. You know, Alan went through a personal difficulty many years ago, and he noticed that things weren't doing right. And it's true of all of us. We notice that there's a substantial difference from the way we were in our 20s. And this episode is for anybody who's getting tired of wasting their time with fad diets and training programs designed for millennials. You know, when I was younger, it looked like that I could eat anything I want and I wouldn't gain an ounce. I mean, my body was geared for that and, and so on. Now it's a totally different paradigm that it seems like I look at food and I put pounds on just by looking at it. Now, Alan's experienced that as well. And it's uncanny how Alan has covered some topics that I'm working on a personal level. And this is why I would like Alan to talk to us on the show, help people get a better life and get to a better phase. Welcome, Alan. Welcome, Alan. (laughs) Nice to be here. (laughs) Alan, let's go back to three or four years ago when you were living a different life when you are now and and what happened to you and how you changed the way you are now? Well, I came to a realization. um, It was actually almost at this point, 12 years ago that I didn't, I didn't actually like myself very much. Uh, I had been very effective at my career. Uh, I had a great career. I, you know, vice president of a corporation making some money, you know, doing all the things I thought I was supposed to do, but I was, I was miserable and I was living this miserable existence. So you and, were, a C, you were a C-suite executive, you know, a for, for a fortune 500 company, you know, you were living the life of a very, very successful person, at least by the terms that you had defined it at that time. Oh, absolutely. You know, and so before I was a, a certified personal trainer, I was a certified personal a certified public accountant certified internal auditor, certified information systems auditor. So I, I had the career that I had worked really, really hard to put together. But what I didn't have that what was really missing was I didn't have my health. I didn't have my fitness and I didn't really have passion in my life. And, and so the relationships I had that I was in were toxic. 
They weren't serving me. They weren't serving my family. And quite frankly, I was not the person I was supposed to be. I just knew that while I had done so well in one aspect of my life, I was pretty much a complete failure everywhere else in my life. And I needed to fix that. Yeah. So the changing point, I, I understand from what I, I've heard from some of your podcasts is you went to Puerto Vallarta and, and you went and played in a, a volleyball game and you felt you couldn't keep up. You felt that you, this, you know, this is one of your favorite sports. You loved beach volleyball, volleyball, but you couldn't do it. Right. And so, yeah, there was a game. I went out there and found myself after very little time gassed and and literally being in my, at that point, upper thirties and overweight and unhealthy, actually a little concerned um, with what was going on. So I had to sit down. I, I subbed out, as we say in the, in the game, I subbed out and not because I, not because I wanted to, or not because I had to, but just because I I had to get off the court. I did, could not play anymore. And it was just really disappointing. So the next day I'm sitting on the beach and, I came up with this this decision that I needed to do something. Now, what happens is eight years go by, and I didn't really act on that decision in a way that was meaningful. And so I'm sitting in a hotel room, pretty much right the same place I was mentally eight years earlier, and I just I just literally just sat down and asked myself, why have I been successful at the things I've been successful at? You know, why was I able to build this career? Why was I able to pass a CPA exam? Why was I able to do these things that other people find really, really hard? Uh, and I found actually not, I'm say easy, but I, I was able to do them. And I said, what was the difference? And what I found was there was one word that hit me and that was the word commitment. I had not really committed to being the person I deserve to be in the other facets of my life. I had committed to my career, but I had not committed to being healthy. I had not committed to being fit. I had not committed to being a good person with the people in my lives. And as a result, that's why I wasn't being successful. And so when I made that commitment to myself saying, okay, first, why do I want to do this? And it was, it was my family. It was my daughter. It was, you know, the things I knew I was going to miss if I wasn't taking care of myself. And then the second was the vision. What do I want? What do I want my future to look like in these areas? And for me, it was not just being in my daughter's life, because at the time she was in late teens, early 20s. It was, I want to be active in her life. She started doing CrossFit and doing these obstacle course races and all this stuff. So she was becoming the athlete that I was when I was her age. And I was like, I want to be able to do those things with her. I don't want to be a spectator. She's inviting me to go watch her do a CrossFit competition. And I didn't want to just be a spectator in my daughter's life. Um, I wanted to be a participant. And so I committed to doing some things that were quite a stretch goal for me at the time to do a Tough mutter. Uh, but the principle around it was I committed. You know, I had a vision and I had a why. And when you put those two things together and you have a vow. And so that's what I did at that point in my life. And so at that point, you know, being in my mid mid forties, decided I was going to do a tough mutter with my 20 year old daughter 
uh, in eight months. And so I okay, put so, that So together. for everybody who's listening, not everybody knows what a tough mutter is. <laughs> I do because the person that co-wrote my book, The Secrets to Having a Fantastic Life with, with uh, me, runs these darn things. So let's tell everybody what a tough mutter is. Okay. A Tough Mudder is basically an obstacle course race. It's done in a very muddy environment, as you might guess. Um, they range in different distances, but the primary one that I did, and it was the original one that they had, was 12 to 13 miles with about 25 obstacle courses and these uh, obstacles. And these obstacles are meant to challenge you in various different ways of strength, stamina, uh, and, and sometimes it's just being afraid and getting past something. Uh, yes, there's electricity involved. Yes, there's ice water involved. Yes, there's heights involved. Yes, there's swimming involved. And there's claustrophobia involved. So if there's something that would bother you mentally and challenge you mentally, uh, Tough Mudder pretty much brought it to bear in one of their obstacles. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was, I knew it was going to be a physical challenge for me. Uh, but what it allowed me to do was to have something in front of me that was that unstoppable moment you know the, the clock was going to tick the calendar was going to flip and if i didn't do the right things i was not going to be ready to meet the challenge that i'd given myself which again was to not slow my daughter down i wanted to be in that race with her i wanted her running her race and me to be there with her and that was really what i was trying to accomplish but in doing so i lost a ton of weight i gained some muscle I gained some pride. I built better relationships with my family. My health improved. Um, so the things that I was being, that was not doing well before, I now had a grasp on how to do it. And the reality of it is until you have self-love and self-compassion and you commit to being the person that you want to be, everything else is just a decision. It's like a resolution. It's like a, a goal. It's like anything else, all those words, willpower, all those, they're weak words because someone says, well, I just don't have willpower. We accept that as okay because the vast majority of people say they don't have willpower. If, if someone doesn't follow through with their New Year's resolution, we say, well, that's okay. You know, 96, 93, 92% of people don't follow through with their health and fitness resolutions every year. So you're amongst the, the big part of the bell curve. You're, you're in the norm if you fail. Uh, the problem is, as we get a little older, we have less wiggle room, you know, for us to improve our health gets harder and harder, as you said, and it's functionally because we're just not able to do as much work. So the approach has to be a lot more compassionate. The approach has to bring in more patience, persistence, and doing it in a smart way where we don't break ourselves, but we can get better and better. And that's the wonderful thing about the human body is Every single time you wake up in the morning and you can take that first breath, you have the opportunity to improve yourself. Yeah. And I, I think that's the wonderful thing we can do. And, and, you know, you were on the path to having a massive heart attack, my friend. You, I've seen so many people like you successful in their life beyond beliefs, but drink too much, eat too much, smoke too much for some of them. And they have the genetics that really crumps their coronaries. And, and, you know, heart disease still is the number one killer out there, even more than COVID and whatever you have out there, heart disease is it. And all of that, well, sure, genetics are part of it, but most of it is lifestyle diseases. We put so much of our lifestyle into it that it gears towards 
the fact that we are going to have a heart attack if we don't smarten up and do things. You know, at the turn of the century, we were field workers. We'd work in the fields. We'd work in coal mines. We'd work physically 12 to 14 hours a day. How many people do that now? It's the minority rather than the majority. People do not work like, so they have to use those hours outside of those things to keep their bodies in shape. You know, there's something called a, a, you, there's a, such a, a thing called the lean body index where you should be below a certain weight to stay at that pace. Problem is that it's very easy with today's calories and so on to get above that. And yes, television is geared to make you eat to make you hungry in the evening, to make you eat those fatty foods. And unfortunately, most foods that taste good are full of fat or sugar or salt because that's what tastes better. And, and those are the things that unfortunately drive us to these things as well. Now, you, don't, you didn't only change in those ways. You changed in a couple other ways. And, you know, you were in a toxic relationship with a girlfriend at that time. You, you, you really just weren't doing the things right. And and you were having other changes in your life that were having problems uh, that you recognized. You woke up, a light bulb went on, and it literally said, hey, wake up, Charlie. Time to get things going. Time to do it. Now, I'm going to pause for a few minutes for our commercials to come on, and we're going to start with that again, Ellen. Are you good for that? Absolutely. Fantastic. Thank you. Well, how do you think things are going there? Very well. Excellent. Five, four, three, two, one. Well, today, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking with a phenomenal individual. His name is Alan Meisner. He is the author of the Wellness Roadmap. And about 12 years ago, he woke up and saw the light. He saw his life was not working right. He was in a toxic relationship with himself. He was in a toxic relationship with his girlfriend. He wasn't exercising enough. He decided he wanted to get healthier. He dropped 65 pounds and, and literally uh, got into a better healthy thing. But he didn't stop there. He went further. Alan, tell us about the other changes you made in your life. Well, as I kind of put together the pieces of, of what actually builds health, you know, because it's, it's not, it's not necessarily evident to a lot of us. We live the lifestyles that we live because that's what the world around us kind of pushes us to do. You know, we, we get a corporate job, we work our way up the, the ladder. Um, we're stressed. We don't sleep enough. And we actually, the badge of honor, you know, I only sleep four hours a night. Well, I only sleep three. Okay. Well, I'm going to try to only sleep two. Uh, you know, we do these things jumping through the hoops that we think we're supposed to be jumping through. And all the while, that's our lifestyle that's damaging us. And it's preventing us from being as good as we're capable of being. And so as I started kind of putting this all together, you know, I, I was, I had no intention of being a personal trainer. I just traveled so much that I couldn't hire a personal trainer. So I said, well, I just want to know what a personal trainer knows so I can personally train myself. And so that's why I started getting into the certifications. It was a, okay, the hours that I would probably spend sitting in front of a, a television, I'm going to spend those learning about health and fitness so I can be my own coach. 
And that's kind of the coaching I had was me uh, learning these things. And it was a big investment. You know, I'd say you're cheaper off probably hiring a personal trainer and a coach. But uh, for me, traveling, it wasn't an option. Uh, at the time, there weren't online coaches like I do now. Uh, so again, I was kind of stuck with, if you either can't go in the gym and use a trainer there, you, you didn't have a trainer. Um, so I did a few things. I said, okay, what, what, what are the issues? And, and it came down to the four basic tenets. One is movement. You, you need to have a movement practice every day. That's improving your body, building strength, stamina, all the things you need to be fit for task, fit for yourself. The other is nutrition. And this is probably the biggest one. You need to eat real food. If it didn't grow on the ground or live and walk around uh, at some point, or at least some product of that, uh, it's not really food. If your great-grandmother walked into a grocery store right now, she wouldn't even know what those shelves in the middle were for uh, because that wasn't food. It isn't food. It's manufactured stuff that they want you to eat, and they manufacture it, as, as you said, Alan, to be really, really good. And so we eat more of it, you know, and they even advertisements is like stack your chips. Don't just eat one. You can't just eat one, um, you know, kind of mindset of how they want to sell you food and, or what they say is food. And so it was like, okay, nutrition. Then the second one, the last, the next one was sleep. And it's like, okay, how do I know that I got good sleep? And so I learned about sleep cycles and REM and all the different things that go on when you're asleep and how wonderful sleep is. And so I ditched my alarm clock. And I made sure I went to bed every night early enough that I would wake up before I had to get ready for work regardless. And so a little weird. Yeah, this guy go to, goes to bed at 8, 30, 9 o'clock every night. Uh, I do. And the principle behind that is I know I'll wake up before 7 o'clock every single morning. So I get maximum quality a maximum amount, appropriate amount of sleep every single night. We're so going to go into that in a lot of detail in a few minutes, because I think people don't understand about sleep. And I think there are people that have a lot of issues with sleep. You know, they're so geared up for the regular day. They can't shut off the world and they just expect sleep. And, and you give some real good pointers on sleep. And I know, you know, those, so we're going to go those in a few minutes. So let's go back to, to those, formative phases when you started writing your book and so on and you were did you write your book when you're still an executive for that c-suite no i i was doing some coaching uh because you know when you make a drastic change to yourself your friends start noticing people start noticing and so i did start the podcast and the principle my mindset was okay at some point i need to ditch this corporate job because it's not serving me either Yes, the money's great, but in the end, uh, the stress of it and, and everything that's going on with the job is is not in my best interest long term. So I had kind of a five-year plan of I'll do this podcast and I'll build up kind of an audience. I may do a little bit of side training here and there just to have some practice at it. Uh, so I was doing that. Uh, but then the company, going through years and years of layoffs, finally decided to put my name uh, on the layoff list. And so being on the layoff list in December of uh, 17, I just told my wife, I said, I, I had a plan. Uh, this is three years earlier than my five-year plan, but I really don't want to go back. And so it was at that point uh, that I decided to sort of, I, I guess for lack of a better term, codify the lessons I had learned at that point over about 10 years of improving my health and fitness and the elements that went into it 
And so I kind of came up with the concept for the book. And the reality of it was I sat down and drew up the outline. And then I did five podcast episodes on that outline in December of 2017, as I was being laid off. And that was my, the original outline for my book were, were those five podcast episodes that I released at December. And then I spent three months writing the book. And then of course, you know, the way it works, another six months actually getting the book published. Um, if, if you're lucky, I mean, you know, there's, you know, the writing process has always been for me, it's been easy. It's just that you slit your wrists and bleed. And then you have to, <laughs> then, then you have to do the process of editing, which is yes. like getting hit in the head with a two by four over and over and over again till you get it right. <laughs> that, that was my, that was my summer 2018 as I was going through the process of, of the editing and, you know, getting the cover right and getting, you know, this done, recording the audiobook version all of that to be ready for a, a, a late November, early December launch for, for that, uh, that book. And so it came out in um, December of 2018. So I was already kind of out and about. Uh, and then that kind of went to the next level of, okay, here we are. I'm doing this thing online with the podcast and I've got the book out and uh, we're living on the beach in Pensacola, spending a lot of money on a house that we didn't really need. So my wife and I, made the decision that we were going to uh, de-stress even more. Um, and we decided to move to the Caribbean and uh, live a much simpler life. And that meant our expenses are lower, which means that I don't have to work as hard or be as stressed. Um, I'm not buried under a house mortgage or anything like that. Uh, we're relatively debt-free. And, and, you know, so as I looked at it, it's like, what was the next step? You know, I told you I'd worked on my sleep. The next was work on your stress. How, how can I make stress be either less stressed or at least make it more manageable? And so we, uh, we moved to Bocas del Toro, Panama in uh, February of 2019. And we've been here ever since. Well, that's important. And so you, you beat the pandemic by a bit and you basically got down to the to uh, a better environment for you and your your significant other so that you could live a better life but you had the proper mindset that you were going to create a better life that you were going to do things better you were going to de-stress you were going to detoxify and you were going to make your life what you wanted it to be without all the other stresses and strange. Your life wasn't going to drive you any longer. You were going to drive your life. That's that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. And then when you when you do that and you set yourself up in a much better self-love, self-compassion mindset, better things just start happening for you. You know, the, uh, I met Tammy, you know, I was like finished that that toxic relationship and I was, you know, by myself for a couple of years. And then I, I kind of fix myself at least a, a good ways down that road. And then I meet Tammy and, you know, we just hit it off and everything was great. And after a year of dating, we got engaged after a year of being engaged, we got married. So when you're saying, I don't want anyone to get confused when you say move down here with my, my significant other, it's not the toxic girlfriend I was talking about earlier in the story. Um, I, <laughs> I had resolved that. And then I found someone who was compassionate, someone who treated me well, someone who treats my family well and, and is there for us. So um, 
clearing yourself of debris, getting bad things out of your way opens you up to accept good things. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think I forget the term for it, but it's, it's the term where, where you change things in your life, you vision things and those good things happen. I, you know, that that's the whole idea behind a lot of people. Mark Victor, Victor Hansen says that a lot, that you have to vision, you have to see things and wonderful things happen in the universe if you let them happen that way. Yeah, it's 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 having it's having an open mindset. Um, I forget exactly who who phrased it or different ways that it's phrased, but you can have a closed mindset where things are a certain way and you're closed to anything happening, or you can have an open mindset where you're okay with the day happening as a gift. And typically when you do that, that gift actually does turn out to be pretty, pretty darn cool. Yeah. I I think that's, that's an amazing statement an amazing way of looking at life. You you know, I, I wonder how many people today are just waking up doing the things they have to do rather than saying, Oh my God, I'm so happy to be alive. I'm so happy to be doing the things I love to do. I'm so happy that things are going my way rather than uh, just going through the paces, going through things, working, living, just instead of having real life. I, I think the vast majority of people in this day and age still are just are just living. They're not really having a true life. Yeah. And that's why I use the term wellness in my book. You know, I could have said health and fitness, and that would have been more on message for what a book would be about. But I use the phrase wellness, and I, I define wellness as being as happy, as fit, and as ha- wait, I'm sorry, healthy, as fit, and as happy as you can be. And so if you're working towards this on all three fronts, then good. But if you find yourself leaning in one direction or another, it's like you're doing all these workouts, but you're, you're not happy about them. You're not happy about anything. Well, then you're missing a point. And so life is not just about working out. It's not just about dieting or what you eat. Uh, if you're leaning on one too far, you're out of balance. You need to have relationships. You need to have fun. And if that means going out and having a beer with your best friend on a Saturday night, Maybe not the best thing from a health perspective, maybe not the best thing from a fitness perspective, but that relationship's important to you. So having a drink with your friend um, is a good thing. It's, it actually is, is beneficial to your overall wellness. Now, having six drinks with your friend, uh, maybe you've lost the script, but, um, <laughs> uh, you know, there's these, these points where we, we, we look at our lives and we say, where am I with what I have right now? What can I do? And so if you if you start looking at this from a more balanced perspective of, I don't have to punish myself by not eating foods that I, I enjoy. I don't have to punish myself by doing exercises that, that just hurt. And I don't feel good about, I don't have to avoid people um, that are actually valuable to my life to make room for things that might not be. So Yes. Uh, if you're doing something just out of script and it's like, this is what I do every morning, brush my teeth, shower, get in a car, drive an hour and a half in traffic, do a job I hate, and then just go home and do it all over again tomorrow. Uh, it's, it's something to think about. Uh, you know, you need, you, maybe you need the, feel like you need the income, but 
at that point, I think you just want to start rewriting the script of your life. The next chapter is not written. Um, maybe you are going to that job tomorrow, but come up with a plan, figure out what your vision is, open yourself up to opportunities and, and recognize that nothing in this earth is permanent, but what people remember about you. And you, I don't know about you, but I don't really want them to write on my gravestone, worked really hard, had a great career. You know, th those don't <laughs> ring. <laughs> those don't ring. You know, beloved father, you know, did a yeah. tough mutter with me, you know. That, that, those... that rings with me too, Ellen. <laughs> but Ellen, we're going to have to pause for a minute for uh, just to give our, our people that are supporting this show a time to get their messages off. Bear with me. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, today we're talking with Ellen Meisner. He's really a phenomenal individual, and he's author of the Wellness Roadmap. And we're talking to him about parts of your life, how you can get well. And Ellen, in your book, you talk something about a wellness GPS. What do you mean by that? Okay. Well, going back a little earlier in this interview, you heard me talk about a, a why and a vision. So the why is this is a part of the grounding. So the G is grounding. So before you start anything, you need to know where you're, where you are and where you want to go. So if I'm going to sit down with my GPS, the GPS through satellite technology knows where I am. Okay. But for me to tell it where I need to go, I need to know where I want to go. So right now, I don't know where you're sitting in the world, but if you decided that you wanted to drive to Philadelphia, well, you might have a basic idea. Is, is Philadelphia north of here? Is it you know east of here? Is it west of here? You may have some general idea which direction is, or maybe you, you live in Philadelphia, and that's, that's awesome. But if you don't and you want to get there, you, you're going to probably key something into a GPS. So having a good vision and having a reason to drive there, why do you want to go there? And for the why, it really needs to be this emotional, compelling reason. If you say, I just want to lose five pounds, I want to lose 50 pounds, that's not really emotional. That's, that's just a number on a scale. Um, you could go to Mars and you would weigh that much there. Uh, so it's not really uh, a function of you. Now, mine was I wanted to be more engaged in my daughter's life. And she happened to be getting into these athletic events and wanting to do these things. I wanted to be able to do those things too with her again, not as a spectator. So it was a very emotional, I want to be there for my family. I want to be independent as long as I can. So I've blended my, my vision and my why to the spectrum of my life. I want to be able to wipe my own butt when I'm 105. That's, that's my direction. Okay. That's where I'm going eventually. And there's going to be a lot of fun stuff happening between now and then. So I, I set those mile markers and I get there. Um, so that's the G ground yourself. Where are you and where you want to go? The P is the personalizing. Now, if you've ever done any driving in places like Colorado or that you drive and drive and drive and it, it's so flat and so long and so straight a road, you almost don't see the mountains move. It's almost like you're sitting still. You could be driving 75 miles an hour and it feels like you're sitting still. And sometimes when we're doing things for our health, it feels the same way. The scale's not moving as fast as we want it to move. We don't really see any major changes when we look at ourselves in the mirror. So there's, there's not really a feeling of movement because acceleration feels good, 
But when you just get to a pace and you're just doing the work, sometimes it doesn't feel like you're accomplishing things. So setting achievable goals, the SMART goals, the mile markers on your journey. So it's like, okay, I want to get a little stronger. Well, how am I doing on my, on my strength training? Am I getting stronger? Am I seeing that? So setting these measurable goals where you know, okay, I'm getting things done. And they're moving me towards the vision. I know that getting stronger moves me towards the vision. Having more muscle mass helps me, is going to help me when I'm 105. Having dexterity and, and stamina is going to help me with a lot of the things I want to do in my life. So knowing that those things are happening, I can see them happening, and therefore I know I'm moving forward. So that's going to continue my drive in the right direction. And then the last piece, which is actually the hardest is where we're going to do some self-awareness work. So we will often have being over 40 or over 50 or over 60, we're going to have certain uh, physical limitations, but we're also going to have some capacities, some physical capacities. So you have the capacity to buy the foods that you know serve your body. You have the money to do it, you do it. You have some limitations Okay, well, I know if I see the Girl Scout cookies outside the grocery store, I'm going to want those cookies. Okay, so there's limitations and there's capacities and they're physical and they're mental. And so getting that self-awareness so that if you find yourself going off the path, so I'm driving down the road and I see the sign for the white, uh, the, the largest uh, carved beaver in the world. This is on the side of the road. I'm like, oh, I want to go see that. That sounds so cool. And I go to drive off the road for that detour. Uh, now I'm no longer on my path. I'm no longer moving towards my vision. I'm doing something else. Now, maybe that's okay. Maybe I said I, that's worth it. You know, like if your spouse said, let's go to Hawaii. And you're like, well, of course, you're going to have a Mai Tai or two. You're going to eat the pineapple. You're going to do the fun things that you would do in Hawaii. Maybe not sleep as much as you should. Uh, be on an airplane for a long period of time. Uh, Maybe not move as much initially, maybe later you will, but you see how you're taking a detour off of the path, but that's a detour worth taking. Go, go with your spouse, enjoy Hawaii. It's beautiful. Um, and then when you're ready, get back on the path. So think of these detours as either you knew about them or you didn't. Is it a good one or is it one that's taking you away from what you want to accomplish? Because sometimes you take that detour for the largest wooden carved beaver, and then you see a sign a mile down the road, they've got albino alligators. And you're like, oh, let's go see. You know, so you see how you can immediately get off of what you were trying to do and, and make excuses to not get back on the road. So that self-awareness is that point of knowing. This is how I approach a certain situation. And then with all that, now you've set your GPS and it makes it very easy for you to know the times that you're more likely to go off the rails than not, you can set the strategies and tactics to help you get where you want to go. And if you do take a detour, you know, you can get back right on. So let's say for your anniversary, you know, okay, we're going to go to this particular restaurant that we went to every anniversary, and I'm going to have this meal and we're going to drink the wine and everything that they pair with it. And it's a wonderful event. It is a detour from my plan, but I know that happens on this day every year. So it's a known detour. What am I going to do that day and the next day to make sure that that detour is enjoyable and worth it? And then I'm right back on the path tomorrow, getting moving towards the vision that I set for myself. That's those are important concepts. So the GPS is something to guide you along the way. 
despite all the obstacles that are going to get in the way to get you from point A to point B. Now, you talk about other things such as strategy and training, and you also talk about rest being an important part of it. And, and you know, we all have, I think, in our brains a bit of a concept about training and whether it's weight training or, or running or walking or things like that to do things. For me, I, I find swimming is my main sport and I love to swim and swimming is, is one of the, the sports I love to do. Now, I hate to do it in the winter and I'm in the middle of winter now. <laughs> so I have to gain that on days. We, we swim indoors, but I have to do it on days when it's warm enough that you're not going to freeze to death when you come outside of the swimming pool into the cold environment, that it's, it's not too bad. So it, it's important to do your training properly and build it in and build it into your schedule. I, I think people have a problem with that. They don't always build things into their schedule. They're always doing things and the life is controlling them. The, the training becomes something that they don't do because the schedule controls them. Yeah. You know, I talked earlier about the commitment and that's what you always have to fall back on that, that G the grounding part of this GPS. You, you've got to, you've got to always go back to the vision and why you're doing this. So anytime you find yourself off path, that's, that's the ground. That's, that's the pavement that this road is made on. You always got to get back on the pavement. That's the first step of that. But the other thing is, is just a definition of fitness, because I think that's what's missed by a lot of people, particularly once we get over 40, uh, because we're not, we're not thinking of ourselves as the athlete we used to be. We're thinking of ourselves as something different. Now, for me, fitness is not a look. You don't have to look like a CrossFit athlete to be fit. Fit is fit for task, meaning you're fit to live the life that you deserve to live. So sometimes I'm talking to my clients and they're like, how strong do I really need to be? And I'm like, how much is it to, to put something over their head? I'm like, how heavy is your carry-on? If you were going to take a trip, you want to be able to put your own carry-on in the overhead, right? And they're like, yes. Okay. Then you're strong enough to put your carry-on in the overhead. Okay. If your grandchild weighs 35 pounds and they're going to come running at you and you're going to grab them into your arms, you don't want to injure yourself. So how strong do you need to be to grapple with your grandchild and get them up into your arms and hold them and kiss them and do all the things you want to do with your grandchild? That's fit for task. Um, being able to pick up a, a bag of groceries, a bag of ice, a bag, or, or go out and get some firewood, uh, pick up a bottle of water, whatever it is, you want to be fit for task. Or as I said earlier, at 105, I want to be able to wipe my own butt. So your training, as you would look at it, is really about building that person. And so if you think about it, what I gather from you is that in 20 years, you still want to be able to swim. You know, I want to be able to do many of the physical activities that I'm doing now and even more, you know, so I yeah. want to be able to live the lifestyle that I'm capable. I want to be able to travel. I want to be able to see the world. I want to enjoy my grandchildren and my great grandchildren. And I want to do that for as long as I'm capable of doing. Right. So for me, those are my goals. And, and that's, and that's it. So, you know, sometimes when I'm training someone and they're like, okay, what, what's my exercise for today? And I'm like, well, your, your grandchild's coming over this week. And they're like, yeah, I said, get on the floor with them. 
they're going to be watching something, you know, for me, maybe it was square SpongeBob, maybe it's something else. I don't know, but they want to sit on the floor. They're going to have their little laptop or the little phone out and they're going to be watching the video. Just go sit down on the floor with them. Now it's going to, it's going to be difficult to actually get down on the floor. You'll feel that it's work. Um, and you get down on the floor with them, it changes your entire relationship with your grandchild because they're used to looking up at everybody sitting in chairs and couches around them. You're sitting on the floor watching the video with them. Completely change the behavior. Now they'll still only sit there for five minutes and then they'll get distracted and want to go do something else. Well, now you get up. And the more you're able to get down on the floor and get back up, that's your exercise. That could, that could literally be your workout for the day is just to have that kind of relationship with your grandchild and you're improving your, you're improving your strength. You're improving your balance. You're improving your mobility. And it, no, it does. It's not a workout, but it is a workout because it's getting you fitter to do the things. Now, if you want to take your grandchild to the zoo and the child's going to run from the monkeys to the lions, you want to have the stamina to be able to keep up with them. You don't want to be sitting on a bench while the rest of the family is moving from exhibit to exhibit. And then they come back and get you later. So building that stamina, even if it means, okay, sometimes we have to get on the elliptical because it's snowing outside or it's icy outside and really can't be there. Well, I know if I get on that elliptical, I'm going to maintain or even build stamina. So when the spring comes and it's time to go out and go to the zoo, I'm going to be able to keep up with those little boogers, you know? Um, so be thinking about in terms of the person you want to become, and then your workouts don't feel like workouts. We start saying we're training. So I'm training to be the best grandfather I can be. Now, when I was young, we didn't have obstacle course races and CrossFit and all that kind of stuff that that's new. And, and, and it is what it is. I don't even know what our grandchildren are going to be doing, but here's what I can tell you. I'm going to do everything within my power to be able to do it with them. I don't want to be a spectator in their lives either. And so my training or anything you train at should really be looking at that true vision of what are the things that you want to do travel. That's a perfect one. So you find yourself going to China and you want to do the Great Wall of China, there's a few steps you're going to have to take to get up that wall. It's a big wall. So having the stamina and the strength to be able to walk up those stairs so you can walk along the Great Wall of China. It's a wonderful event. Uh, anywhere else in the world you want to go, uh, big cities, they're, they're pedestrian cities around the world. And so to see and do and and be able to get your overhead up and down and carry your bags around and, you know, not just be tuckered out. So you can't really enjoy what you're doing. Train for that because that's where the real passion for all this is going to come. Okay. Alan, we're going to have to take another break again, because again, our sponsors need to be heard from as well. Thank you very much. Okay. Alan, I want to now turn to another concept you talk about all the time. And that's just as important as exercise is rest and sleep. Those are two things that we don't always think about. So let's talk about that resting component, because as we get older, you tell us we need more rest, not less. Right. So the, the human body does have this wonderful capacity to rebuild itself. So if we work, like, so we do an exercise, let's say you go into the gym and you're going to do your squats and whether you're doing just body weight squats, or you're, you actually have weight and you're doing this resistance work. What you're doing is you're signaling to your muscles 
I need to do this work. This is important. The muscles break down and they re rebuild stronger, a little bit stronger. Now, when we were in our 20s with our testosterone and everything working well, as you said, you know, eat anything, do anything, your body just was resilient and able to do some things. And that recovery was a part of that whole resilience we had. We do lose some of that capacity as we get older. Our mitochondria don't function quite as well. Our muscles don't function quite as well. So they need more time to go through that rebuilding process. And the rebuilding process is just as important as the work. So the way I like to think about it or like to phrase it is I need to do the work to signal to my body to be better. I need to fuel my body to make sure it has what it needs to rebuild. And then I need to rest my body. So it has time to do that, re that recovery. And if you put those together in the right sequence for yourself, where you're working hard enough to signal work, signal improvement, getting enough nutrition to do it, and then resting enough to allow for full recovery. It's this process of just layering better, 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 better. Your muscle gets better. It gets stronger. In some cases, you can gain muscle density, muscle strength, muscle mass. So you just keep working that slowly. It's the gentle nudges, but you do need the rest after the signal. So the signal, the nutrition, and the rest, that, that has to work that way for you to see consistent improvement. So that's the rest component. But that even goes further, like between sets. So a lot of people like to go in and get their work done and you tell them, okay, I want you to lift something. And then I want you to sit there and wait for 60 seconds before you do it again. And a lot of people really struggle with that 60 seconds of sitting still and not doing the next set. That's important because what happens in your body is at a muscular level inside the muscle, there's this energy system. It's called ATP. Uh, I won't get into too much of a technical aspect of it, but it's, it's basically what allows the energy centers of your muscle to do what they do. Now, as you do work, you use that up, you use that energy up. And then what's going to happen is if you try to just go right back into the, do the work again, you won't have enough of it built back up to be able to do as much work. So if we take a short rest between sets, we take a short break, we give our muscles an opportunity to rebuild that ATP. And when they're able to do that, then the next set is the best set we could do. And then if we're going to do a third set, the next set. So allowing yourself a little bit of rest between sets will let you do more work again, because you want to get to that signaling phase of, okay, we've done enough work. The muscle needs to get stronger and the muscle needs to improve quality, then fuel and then the rest. So you put those all together of work and recovery, the basic recovery between workouts should be 48 to 72 hours. So if you do a full body exercise on a Monday, you're ready to probably go back in the gym by Tuesday. I mean, Thursday, so you Monday, and then you come back Thursday. And then if you, you know, if you're going to work out on weekends, you maybe you can go back on Sunday and you just rotate that around. And what you'll find is a cycle is taking one day and then two days off. Uh, you're literally going to work out two and a half times per week for resistance training. And for most people, that's sufficient stimulus with sufficient rest to, to allow improvement. Okay. There's two more topics I want to cover. So let's go into the next one, which is so important. And that's sleep. And one thing you talk about is sleep routine. You know, most people don't have a sleep routine. They just go for it all day, all day, jump into bed and expect to fall asleep. So let's talk about 
what sleep is and how to get the best sleep possible. Okay. Well, the interesting thing is, as far along as we are with science and everything, you would think we would know, because this is something we do practically every every night of our lives as we sleep. Uh, but they don't know that much about sleep, not as much as you would think. But what we do know is that during sleep is a time when our body is sort of healing. It's resetting. It's cleansing. It's, it's going through these cycles of basically re, rebooting uh, your whole system. So there's so many important things that they know are happening. Our entire hormone process is set on a cycle, a 24-hour cycle. So if we're getting good sleep, we're optimizing our opportunities for better health. That's what we do know. Um, a sleep cycle is basically a process where you're going to go through different pieces of sleep. So you're going to have light sleep, deeper sleep, REM sleep. You'll hear those terms. A, a, a whole cycle of sleep for most of us lasts about 90 minutes. And so that's why you'll hear things like if you're going to take a nap, don't go for more than 30 minutes because then you're going to kind of feel groggy because you end up in deep sleep after 30 minutes. That, that's why they'll tell you to take shorter naps. I actually go the other way and say, if you can take a nap, you're going to take a nap, make it an hour and a half. So you go through a full sleep cycle. Um, that's typically going to work better. It works better for me anyway. But that aside, if a sleep cycle is about 90 minutes, then you, what you would know is if you only slept for six hours, um, then you're pretty much only going to get four sleep cycles, which for a lot of people is okay. It's, it's get by sleep. So if you're sleeping less than six hours. You're not even getting four sleep cycles. No, so you're, you know, you, in the old days, apparently people would sleep first for maybe two or three hours and then they would get up, they'd check the barn, they'd go and mend to their cows, they'd do the things in the middle of the night, and then yeah. they'd have their second sleep. So there was a first sleep and a second sleep, which is so different than the way we think of sleep now. It is, it is, you know, and, and, and the point being, though, is at the, in their lifestyle, their, at their time, uh, that two hours of being awake was really important for food security, for them to have the things that they needed to have when they woke up in the morning. Um, and so you, you, you do that. But from, for a lot of us, though, you'll hear terms like you need at least seven to nine. And, and I think for most of us, that's probably about where we need. Uh, I will basically, like I said, I try to go to sleep at 8, 30, 9 o'clock every night. Um, that means I, I turn off my computer ahead of time. We'll talk more about the hygiene in a second. But it's really about saying, I'm going to go to sleep and I'm going to sleep those sleep cycles until my body tells me I'm rested. So most nights I'm going to get six to nine hours of sleep. So I'm going to go so anywhere. Let's go into, so from, Alan, let's go into your sleep routine. Let's go into how you turn things off and get into that mode to get that sleep. Okay. Well, the, the first thing is to start avoiding blue light as early in the evening as you can. Our ancestors did not have access to computers, phones, TVs, uh, light bulbs, all the stuff that we have now. If you'll notice as it gets darker at night, as the sun starts setting, we start seeing hues of orange and, and the yellow and the colors change. And during the day, it's blue. It's bright blue. That's a signal to your brain to be awake. So if you're looking at a computer screen or a phone screen or a TV, there's a lot of blue light there. And I know some of these tools now have blockers, you know, you can wear glasses or you can do that. If you have to be on your computer after 630 at night, 
it's probably better to have one of those filters or wear some of those blue blocker glasses just to see if that's something that's going to help you sleep better. Uh, the other thing is have an environment that is for sleep, um, sleep and maybe one other thing, you know, but uh, don't have a TV in your room. Uh, that's, that's a killer. Uh, don't necessarily turn your phone on in the bedroom. Uh, go in your bedroom. It should be dark. It should be cool. Uh, and it should be somewhat sound neutral. What I mean by that is for some people, they can be in the city of New York with fire alarms, everything going on, and they can sleep right through it. Uh, I can't. I, I need something a little bit more neutral. So I have a, a, a fan app on my phone that plays this fan sound, and it's like white noise. So it kind of blocks out. If someone's having a conversation in another room or another part of the house, I don't hear them, uh, and that helps me. I try to keep the room cool. So for most of us, that's going to be anywhere between 72 and 63 degrees. Uh, you might argue with your significant other about what temperature the room needs to be, but the cooler it is for most people, the better they sleep. Um, and then again, dark. So blocking out light and again, looking at it from the perspective of blue light versus the other lights. Um, but then the next big step of this is having a way to turn your brain off. Um, you know, we all have a hundred things we're doing today and there seems like there's a thousand we need to do tomorrow. And if we let our brain just continue to ruminate on those things, uh, it's really going to be difficult for us to, to shut down. So, you know, as you start brushing your teeth in the evening, uh, start doing things that are relaxing. Maybe you got candles. Uh, maybe you listen to some soft music. For some people, it might be reading some fiction. Um, you know, something that's literally going to just allow them to unwind and relax. Um, so again, once I start dinner, uh, after I eat dinner, the rest of my evening is really a part of sleep hygiene. It's a function of saying, okay, what's going to relax me uh, and get me in the in the mode to to sleep well. And then by, like I said, 8, 30, 9 o'clock, I go in. I know that some nights I'm going to lay there a little bit longer. If I find myself laying there a little bit longer, I start uh, basically doing a, a form of meditation where I'll sit down and start breathing. I'll relax. I'll think on some something pl pleasant, something wonderful. And I'll try to just let my, let my brain relax and say, okay, well, this is a time for rest. So these are all little sleep hygiene things and everybody will have to find their own thing. You know, um, I don't have hair. I shave my head. So it's not like I have to worry about washing my hair before I go to bed and drying it completely. And, and those don't have to worry about that, but maybe you do. So maybe washing your hair is a part of your sleep hygiene where you're coaching your body. When I do this, the next thing is to get to, to go to sleep. And so as you're, as you're going through your evening, getting a routine to go through that process is a really good way to literally help your body know this is the time for sleep. So getting rid of light, you know, getting rid of thoughts, uh, sometimes just sit down a journal, a gratitude journal, or even writing down your to-do list for the next day. So you can go ahead and shut that stuff off and say, okay, everything I need to get done is in this little notebook. I close the notebook and I go to sleep, uh, but some gratitude practice, some meditation, things like that can help relax you uh, and get you in a good mode to get to sleep faster. Cool. Now you also talked about when you close your eyes, there's a routine you do like you, you sometimes feel like you're burrowing or shoveling or doing something yeah. like that. Go through that a little bit for people as well. Yeah. That was a moment in time. I, you know, I, as I said, I was, we were living in Pensacola. We were spending too much on a house. We were trying to sell it. And at the time I felt 
a lot of stress about that situation, you know, and so the stress was keeping me awake. And so I started a meditation practice, but the, the weird thing was I was laying there one night and it just, the concept of being buried under my house was in my head. That was what was literally in my head. And I'm like, but I live on an Island and this is just sand. And so I just started imagining myself digging the sand. I'm like, it's easy to dig sand. I'm just thinking to myself, it's easy to dig the sand. And I dug for a while and then I could see the blue, you know, the sky and I'm digging out from under. And now I can hear the seagulls. I can smell the sea air. Uh, I hear the waves crashing. I can start to feel the warmth of the sun as I'm reaching out and pulling the sand out of my way. And then I'm out from under my house and I'm walking down the beach. And that mental game I was playing, a, a form of meditation, uh, as you will, because no one had ever taught me that. I don't know where it really even came from. But it was just this, this whole thing of I have hands. This is sand. I can dig my way out. And what I found was as I did this practice every night, while I was in this stress situation, uh, it got easier and easier to get onto the beach, it got easier and easier to get myself out from under that house. Um, I was out sooner. I was walking further down the beach. Uh, I was seeing more outside. I was feeling more the, like the, the sun, warm sun on my face. I was feeling the water lapping on my feet. It was this real clear visualization of me in a better place that I'm going to get out of this. You know, this is not bigger than me. And so it was just that, that way of relaxing my mind at that point in time to say, I will, I will get past this. And it was, it was, you know, like I said, it was a bit, for me, it was meditation. That's how I equate it. It was not a, a ohm, you know, or some kind of woo woo thing. It was literally a, okay, I dig, I dig the sand, no matter where I'm buried under here, I will get out and I will see the sun and I will see the waves and I will be on the beach and it's where I want to be. I don't want to be under this house, but that's going to happen if I just keep digging, if I keep doing what I can do. And yeah, it took us about a year to, to get out of that house uh, and get it sold. Um, but when we did, it's like suddenly I wasn't, when I would start that mind game, I wasn't in the sand anymore. Uh, I was on the beach and then I was in a kayak or something. So I, I start the mind thing. I said, where do I feel? How do I feel this check-in? And sometimes I feel like I'm on the beach and sometimes I feel like I'm on the kayak and I just say, okay, what, what am I seeing? What am I feeling? What am I, what's going on here? And I try to make it all about that location, about that moment. So it's the sun, it's the waves, it's the sound of the animals. Uh, it's nature. Uh, it's, it's the natural part of where we're supposed to be. And that relaxes me and it lets any other troubles that I might have going on in my life, just not really matter anymore. Um, because I know whatever they are, I can't do anything in that moment other than dig or row or, you know, walk and I'm, I'm where I want to be. And so if you're doing the things in your life that are putting you where you want to be, recognize that and celebrate that and, and then know in your heart and in your brain and in every other fiber of your body that you have control over your destiny. If you just keep a good mindset, keep an open mindset and keep pushing towards that goal. Excellent. Thank you, Ellen. Alan, how can people get in touch with you and how can they get a copy of your book if they'd like to? Okay. Well, the book is available pretty much anywhere you'd buy books, but of course you can buy it on Amazon. You can order it at a local bookstore. They can probably still get it in. Uh, it's available in paperback, uh, hardback, 
uh, ebook. And then there's also an audio book version, which I recorded myself, of course, being a podcaster, I think you kind of have to do your own audio book. Um, at least, uh, at least if it's a, a nonfiction book, which I did. Um, so it's available in all those different formats and you can find them. Uh, you can go to 40 plus fitness, Dot com or 40 plus fitness podcast.com. And you'll find either my personal training brand, or you'll find the, the podcast. Uh, and then one other final thing, you know, in, in this move for me and my wife to kind of have the lifestyle we wanted to have and be who we want to be. Uh, when we moved down here to Panama, Bocas del Toro, Panama, uh, I bought the local gym. She bought a bed and breakfast. So we run a bed and breakfast and a gym here in Bocas del Toro. So if you find yourself out and about and you're looking for a great place to go take one of those trips and see the world, I'd encourage you to come down to Bocas del Toro. The, the bed and breakfast is called Lula's. So you can go to lulabb.com and that's our bed and breakfast. Or you can go to islandfitnessbocas.com and that's the gym that I run down here. So love to see you down here uh, to enjoy Bocas life. Maybe get a workout in while you're here because we got the gym, but definitely enjoy the time at our bed and breakfast. And if there's anything I can do to help you, please do reach out. Like I said, you can at, you can find me in all those different locations. Uh, pretty easy. Uh, I'm not super, super busy on, on uh, the, the social media platforms, but I, I do have a, a presence out there. But really just go to the website. You'll find my email address and a way to get in touch with me there. Alan, thank you so much for sharing so much with us today. Uh, again, this has been amazing. Thank you again. Thank you. It was my pleasure. I, I love spending this time with you. Okay, to our audience, talk to you soon. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Leica's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic day.